I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher mortgage payments. At Quicken Loans, we've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates so you can buy a home with certainty. It's called Rate Shield, and here's how it works. With Rate Shield, you can lock your interest rate while you shop for a new home. So if rates go up, you don't have to worry. And here's the best part. If rates go down, you get the lower rate. With Rate Shield, we really have you covered. Here are more reasons why you'll want to work with America's largest mortgage lender. For nine years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. And for the fifth year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in the nation for mortgage servicing. Rate Shield. Another way we can save you money on your mortgage. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Based on Rocket Mortgage data in comparison to public data records, racial approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Spotlight. I am your host, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm so happy to be here with you tonight. I am here with my co-host. I'm going to start off with the one and only Jen. How you doing, Jen? Awesome. Very awesome. All right. Seems like, seems like a good night to talk about finales. Yes, yes, yes. And also joining us is Olaf Barbosa. Hey, hey. How you doing? All right. I'm um, excited to talk about this tonight, which should be really interesting for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be kind of strange. But uh, uh, this is episode 264. So before uh, tonight, we're going to actually cover the True Detective season three finale. Um, I wish we had covered the whole season because the season was amazing. Uh, but, you know, we wanted to at least uh, cover the finale. So, but before we get into that, I wanted to go over some movie news and just, uh, you know, we're going to talk some weekend box office and uh, go over the films that are coming out this year. Uh, let me start off with um, some news that I just just came across my desk. Uh, you like that? It just came across my desk. Um, Will Smith will not be in the sequel to Suicide Squad. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, start off with you, Jen. What do you think about uh, Will Smith won't be in the the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn helmed Suicide Squad uh, sequel? Well, I mean, I'm glad James Gunn's on board because I mean, I watch James Gunn pretty much direct anything. But I, I, I don't. I feel like I'm sorry. I, I like Will Smith. I, I do. But I, I don't feel like Will Smith necessarily gave anything to suicide squad that couldn't be picked up by somebody else Ooh. i don't i just i i mean there what was what was so compelling give me one scene that you felt like oh my god nobody else could do that except will smith in suicide squad yeah, I, I, mean, I can't i don't know but i could say that about everybody in that movie though know? I, I don't know and, he's the, and he was the biggest everybody. star in the film so uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put the if you didn't like the film. I wouldn't say it was because of Will Smith. I, no, no, I, I'm not saying that it was not because of Will Smith. Uh, the 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 Suicide Squad as a movie was a, a train wreck. But that that's not that isn't really the point. All I'm saying is I don't think that Suicide Squad is going to. Be, let's put it a different way. I don't think we're going to save Suicide Squad 
part two just by having Will Smith be back in it. How's that? But see, though, I, I'm I want to see Will Smith do good, right? And yeah, me too. I don't, I don't, I think he hasn't really made a an excellent film in a long time, and. I would love to see him in something that might be very good. So this sequel could potentially be very good because who's directing it. And uh, so I really want to see him in something good because it's been a minute since he's been in something that you're like, wow, that was awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, it has been a minute, hasn't it? Yeah. So that that's the thing that I'm more disappointed in is I would like to have, to see him in something good and this might be very good you know and you know i don't get what you say that suicide squad was a train wreck well the name of the movie is suicide squad what <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. come on yeah yeah that, that's for sure <laughs> that's funny yeah so uh we'll see though what happens with um with the film, but uh, yeah, so he will not be in the sequel. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know how much I love James Gunn. I mean, I, I I'm, I'm actually one of James Gunn's biggest cheerleaders, I think. But I don't really think that James Gunn can save Suicide Squad. I, I just don't. I don't know. I, 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 I just don't see it. I don't know how in the world they would resurrect it. If you're a great filmmaker, you should be able to. I don't know. I don't know. I have a lot of faith in the guy, and I'm sure that he will make it feel like better than. But I mean, that is just such a tall order. I don't know. I don't Why know. not? I, guess I mean, I don't. The material, the, the the what it's based on is good. So why not? I mean, why couldn't he make it good? Uh, because okay, uh, I I guess because. The way that they, the way that they created the first Suicide Squad, I, I, I don't know if anything can pull that out of the fire. But I mean, I've been wrong in the past, right? I mean, I, I was, I, I was really not thinking that Aquaman was going to be all that great from the DC side, and all of a sudden it was great. And and I don't just mean because Jason Momoa was. In, <laughs> I mean, it was actually, it was actually really good. It Whoa. was, it was way more. It was way lighter. It was way jovial. I mean, they like it actually had some good stuff in it. But I don't know how they pull Suicide Squad back from where I feel like it's. Uh, I don't know, and well, I also don't feel like enough people saw the original Suicide Squad. No, that was a big it, hit. It made a lot of money. It, no, it did I, not make that it, much money. It didn't like, make that much. I mean, it made a lot, but it didn't make. It wasn't blockbuster. It made a. I think you're underestimating. It made a lot of money. Well, oh, okay. Jim, well, Jim, I'll be happy to, to be proven for wrong. You, for you to think that Suicide Squad could be pulled back around by this, uh, the, the new director, it's like if he resurrected Zack and put him in there, then you would say it was all right. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know, Olaf. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got lots of love for both of them, but I don't know. I don't know. All right. But, you know me. I'm super often, I'm always super optimistic about everything. But in this one case, I don't know. I have a, a, a foreboding feeling. Okay, so. If they, take, if they take and replace Will Smith and put Zach in there, and then you, you give it higher ratings. And figure that they pulled it back out again. But that, that would just be I'm blasphemous told, at this point. Like, I mean, that would just be absolute blasphemy. What, I'm just, t- Zach's dead. <laughs> 
Okay, so I this <laughs> is okay. This is uh, uh, I don't know if this is the final total, but um, it says the worldwide gross of uh, Suicide Squad was seven hundred and forty-six million dollars. Yeah, but what was what was the okay? Give me what the initial or what the uh, what the the opening the opening was for Suicide Squad. Okay. Uh, but I mean, you know, the, to because say, War, because Warcraft was a terrible movie and it grossed billions of dollars no, worldwide. So I mean, no, I mean a lot of people. No, without the, you were saying that it didn't uh, like. I don't think a lot of people seen it, but I was like, it, a lot of people saw it. Like that, that's the first saying. weekend, it made one hundred and thirty-three million dollars. That's not that's I mean okay that's well I guess you know for uh, for a superhero movie yeah, I suppose made, that's not yeah it made it's it made, re, it's it, it's it's quasi respectable and it went up against the Jason Bourne movie which uh, was only in its second week and that was big and Bad Moms was a big hit too and uh, and that had only been out for two it, 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 I mean it didn't do like it didn't do uh, Marvel type numbers but it it did that's why they're doing a sequel. Because it did, uh, it, it almost made its budget back in the first week. Right. I mean, I'm not saying, I, honestly, I'm not saying that, that like all hope is lost. I'm saying pessimistically, I don't feel like the loss of Will Smith is going to make a dent in the movie. And that doesn't have anything to do with Will Smith not being good. It has to do with just, I, just the way that they're treating the subject matter. And I don't, again, I don't know. Maybe James Gunn can pull some, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy magic out of his pocket. If he's about that life, he needs he to is. do that. He need, if he's that good, he need. I don't want no excuses, James Gunn. You better come strong or don't come at all. If you could co collaborate with Brian Fuller, then I would say, yeah, okay, now you got something. No, 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 no. He got it. If he's so great, if he's so awesome. Then he needs to be able to uh, pull this out. Yeah, yeah. and I, I and I mean I'll go see it no matter what. Right, well, right? Yeah, it doesn't see? matter. I will go see yeah. it. But yeah, I mean it, it didn't. I think they were hoping for like in the billions, but uh, yeah. it 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 you know it uh what was that quadrupled his budget? You know, yeah. If if worldwide is right, yeah, yeah seven hundred and forty six. Yeah, and it did very good on you know, you know after it was out in the theater, so. Okay, so um, let's go over the current weekend box office. Um, and this is from uh, the weekend of February 22nd uh, to 24th, uh, 2019. Uh, number 10, Run the Race. Uh, number 9, The Upside. Uh, number 8, Cold Pursuit. Number 7, Happy Death Day to You. Number 6, What Men Want. Number five, isn't it romantic? Uh, number four, fighting with my family. Uh, number three is the Lego Movie Two, the second part. Number two is Alita: Battle Angel, uh, which uh, hasn't really grossed like people hoped it did. Uh, and number one is How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World, which grossed fifty-seven million. So that was a a great haul for that film. Man, good for them. Yeah, so so that was uh, this past uh, weekend. 
and let's talk about what's coming out this weekend, uh, March 1st, Friday. And uh, I'm not going to do all the films, so I'll what I'll do is read the synopsis, and I will ask you, is this something that sounds pleasant to you? Okay? Okay. So, th- th- here's a film, it's called Furry. <laughs> okay <laughs> sounds good already right that sounds um, awesome alright so are any bronies credited in the no I'm just joking uh, no it looks like it's a Korean or Vietnamese action film okay my bad wow uh, starring a, a woman uh, Veronica uh, how you saying NGO uh, okay well that's it uh, uh, it says, I might be at the wrong place, but you took the wrong kid. <laughs> That's the tagline. And um, let's see. The film is about a woman named Hai Fong, an ex-gangster who is lying, lying low in the countryside after being a mother. But she can't escape her violent past when her daughter is kidnapped. She jumps back into action and will go to any length to bring her daughter home. So, yes, it sounds good. Uh, um, So what do you guys think? We'll start off with you, Olaf. Does that sound like something you would go see? Yeah, it sounds sounds interesting. It's like uh, I may probably go see it, but, you know, might be more likely to wait for it to come out. So I need to go to theaters. But that kind of sounds like there was a uh, uh, version of Taken, but... uh, I'd probably go see it. Vietnamese female taken. Yeah. So, what about you, Jen? No. <laughs> you know, I thought you like strong women characters. I do, but I just don't like crazy martial arts movies. I don't know. No, this looks like it's going to be a great movie of a woman kicking butt. Nah, nah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I just got a subscription to Shutter. Okay, I I have so many demands on my entertainment time. I barely have time to go to the movies. Oh, uh, for those who have Shutter, um, uh, a good friend of mine named Miosha Bean is uh, in a documentary called Hello um, Horror Noir, and it's about. Is she in that? Yeah, yeah, she's one of the uh, people in it. So, oh, nice! So, I I didn't see her, but I will watch it through again. Oh yeah, she's uh, she's. Doesn't talk as a whole lot, but yeah, she's in there. She's one of the people in it. Cool. Um, and that is, that's uh, it's a great very documentary, great documentary. Yes, very really proud good. of. I'm very proud of my little sis. So, um, but um, yes, I I would see Furry at home, not necessarily in the theater. Uh, great title. I'm, uh, <laughs> great title. <laughs> great title. All right. All right. So this next film uh, that's coming out this weekend is called. Wait a minute. Let me make sure. Yeah, yeah, this is right. Okay. This um this next film is called The Wedding Guest. And it stars uh Dev Patel. You may remember him from Slumdog Millionaire and Lion and uh also New- the newsroom as well. Okay, so this film, the tagline is uh Do You Know Who Sent Me? That's the tagline. All right, so wow. this adventure thriller follows a mysterious British Muslim man 
played by Dev Patel, on his journey across Pakistan and India. He's heading to Pakistan to attend a wedding, armed with duct tape, a shotgun, and a plan to kidnap the bride-to-be. This looks like a dark uh, suspense film with some uh, intriguing twists. All right. So we'll start off with you, Jen. Does this sound like something that might be interesting? No. What? No. Duct tape, a shotgun, and kidnapping a, uh, a bride at a wedding? Sounds, sounds like my last date. No. <laughs> oh, man. And Dev Patel. No? No. You know what? <clears throat> okay. So th- this is this is sort of where I'm at right now. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that sometimes those movies can't be good. Uh-huh. But I sort of rely on other people to go before me to give me the heads up about, hey, this was great. No, it wasn't. Because I feel like, uh, especially action thriller movies, they're so hit and miss. Yeah. I like it because it's just not the same tired old uh, white guy. You know? <laughs> like that's what I like that it's at least it's different. It's diverse, you know? Okay, so that's true. Uh, yeah, that is really true. But um, I don't know. But uh, okay. So what about you, Olaf? I mean, come on now, duct tape and a wedding, and a yeah, shotgun. Like, uh, hey, shotgun wedding, I'm there. <laughs> that's right, shotgun <laughs> wedding. <laughs> uh, and you know, and, and Jen, I tell you what, I'll go see it, and I'm gonna, I'll help you out as far as whether you you need to go see it or not. Uh, I'll go see it, and then I'm not gonna tell you. A, I'm not gonna tell you nothing. You might have to figure it out on your own. <laughs> yeah, all right. Just give me the heads up. You I, know. I, I yes don't want to no. see that one. I, I'll, I'll, I'll like I'll go see it, and, uh, and then I'll let you know. It's like, hey, Jim, I saw it. That'll be it. <laughs> you know the the, the problem with uh, the problem with not seeing action thrillers in the theater is uh-huh. when they are good. They're really good, and they right, almost right. demand being seen on the big screen. But when they're not good, it's 90 minutes and plus of just scraping your nails because, I I mean, I'm not the kind of person that walks out on a movie. I never walk out on a movie. But but at the same time, I mean, I've been to some that have just been, and especially recently, I don't know what it is that they think they're doing. Some real snoozers. um, I I don't know if it's that. It's just like action thrillers feel like... um, directors and producers have just thrown everything including the kitchen sink into the into the narrative into the plot and right. and it, I, I mean it sometimes things make sense and there is some kind of resolution but there's always some weird crazy plot twist at the very end and it and it feels inauthentic it doesn't it doesn't even feel like we've been set up for it it just feels like hey here's a bunch of burning cars here's a bunch of people getting stabbed here's a bunch of this here's a bunch of guns here's a bunch of car chases and now at the end oh my god it was his sister i i mean like i don't know it just doesn't whatever i'm i'm probably in just a really pessimistic mood but that that's one of my big complaints right now with action thrillers Hmm. okay and this film this next film i actually i couldn't even talk about this this next film I uh, I can say it now because it's out and I can actually give my mini review to it. Um, I saw this about maybe uh, a couple of months ago. Um, it's actually uh, filmed by the great Neil Jordan and it's called Greta. And it stars uh, Isabel Hubert and Chloe Grace Moretz. 
Okay, that one I definitely want to see. And um, I actually saw it. And I couldn't even, I had to sign a thing saying I wouldn't even mention it, uh, that I saw it to even my mother. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so let's, let me read this. And I'll, before I say what my thoughts were on the film, I can, um, I will tell you uh, a little bit about the movie. Okay, it says, she's really freaking me out. That's the tagline. Uh, okay, so uh, here we go. From the looks, it seems to be like a new mashup of a Simple Favor and Misery and Gone Girl with some, wait, this doesn't, what's the hell? Oh, okay, this is not like the actual synopsis, my bad. Um, uh, here it goes. Isabel Hubert and Chloe uh, 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 with, stars with uh, Chloe Moretz, two people living in New York City who become friends. But uh, Francis uh, soon discovers nothing in Greta's life is what it seems. Okay, so it's about a crazy woman. Um, <laughs> so, uh, wait, that was not good. That wasn't a good, uh, synopsis that they have here. Um, basically a woman, I'll, I'll say that this, uh, a young girl, um, finds a book bag on a, on a subway and decides to be a good Samaritan and take the book bag to its rifle owner. And it's this older lady who she ends up befriending. And she basically finds out that this woman is crazy and uh, uh, a lot of crazy stuff ensues after this, <laughs> this, her finding out. Okay. So anyway, um, what, wasn't this done in, in Ireland? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, <clears> look, it looks like very lot. like, it looks like it was in New York, but they do a great job with that. So, I'm pretty sure that a lot of this was shot in Ireland. I, I heard some advanced press about it uh -huh. and thought it sounded incredibly compelling. I will tell you uh, if it is compelling in a minute. Um, let's see where it's shot at. It says United States and Ireland. I, I know a lot of it was they did shoot in New York. Uh, but um, production uh, location was in Toronto, New York City and in uh, Dublin as well okay. yeah, I, I, I saw something about that Yes. <clears throat> alright so let's start off with Olaf um, does this sound like <laughs> something that you want to see Greta um, it sounds like it might be very yeah, yeah, like that. I would probably go see it. Okay, and what about you, Jen? Yeah, I'll definitely go see that. I love stalker movies. Stalker movies are one of my favorite genre types because there's so many ways to mix it up. And generally, when you've got that kind of movie, the uh, the writer is very careful to reveal awesome clues, sort of as you go. They just generally, it, it's generally always well done. Well, one thing you can expect with a, a Neil Jordan film or project is that Stephen Ray is going to be in it, and he's definitely in it. <laughs> he's he's definitely in it. Uh, he's a 
uh, he, he has a, a pretty nice little part in it. Um, but uh, going back to uh, this film, as I said, I saw it a couple of uh, months ago. And they said that it doesn't, you know, some of it may not have been finished or whatever, or they may reshoot or whatever. But from what I saw, it was a very good film. Uh, the, You know, uh, Isabella Hubert was awesome. <laughs> like, she was frightening <laughs> in this film. Like, you was definitely, you definitely would be scared of this lady, right? Uh, the acting was great. Uh, Chloe Moretz was very good. Uh, she's, you know, solid. She's a solid little actress. Uh, you know, the, the performances were, were pretty good. Uh, overall, it's a good film. It's not a great film. Uh, there's a couple of things, aspects of the film that I would um, definitely have changed. Uh, you know, some, one of the acts, uh, I would say the last third, there were some things I was kind of iffy about. But it's definitely worth seeing in the theater. But I wouldn't say it's something that you have to see in the theater, but it's a it's a good solid film. You know, it, it's predictable. It, you know, it, it goes. It's pretty predictable. There's some aspects of it where you're like, oh, okay, I didn't expect that. But for the most part, you know, it, it's something you've seen before. But uh, I enjoyed it, and it seemed like the audience enjoyed it as well. So, uh, I definitely would suggest you see it. But I I could say you could wait for it on um, on uh, Blu-ray or, or cable or something like that. That's for sure. On demand. Yes. Okay, and last and definitely least, uh, I have to do it to him. Uh, uh, Medea family funeral. Oh God. <laughs> oh good Lord. Um, <clears throat> can we bury the franchise after this? Well, look, I don't blame him. I mean, who couldn't use another $100 million? Uh, <laughs> you know. It's true. Uh, a joyous family reunion turns into a hilarious nightmare as Medea and the crew travel to the backwoods woods of Georgia and expectantly plan a funeral, which threatens to r- reveal uh, sordid family secrets. Um, I am not a fan of the Medea series. Uh, I really don't like Tyler Perry's work. You know, more power to him. He's amassed a huge uh, uh, empire, (laughs) you know, and I respect that part of his hustle. But I'm going to start off first. I'm not going to see it on if I was on Pluto and that's the only movie they had, I wouldn't be watching it. So, uh, you know, so no Medea family funeral. Uh, it says she puts the fun in funeral. Oh God. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Jen, you taking the kids? Um, no, I think we'll probably, uh, watch overlord again. Cause that was good. Okay. We're not talking about overlord though. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, everybody, everybody, I'm just saying, you know, as a alternative, you might as well watch something good. Okay, I'll say Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, Olaf, are you going to go see uh, Medea's... Uh... Yeah, I, I won't. I wouldn't see it in the theater. I'd wait for it to hit the 
you know, hit uh, hit cable so I can watch it for free. You know, it's funny because in my house, we actually do have people that love those kinds of movies, and they really? will watch them. Well, yeah. I, do, I mean, I I I, think, yeah. I I like them. I think I just watched watched one of them there earlier today. One of the Medea, uh, it's like Medea movies. Oh, okay. I mean, I like them, but it's not yeah, something you want to go to the not, theater. Not not to go to a theater and pay money to see it. No. no. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Okay, so now that we got that out the the way, let's get to the main event of tonight. And the main event is True Detective season three, uh, the season finale. Now, uh, Olaf has not seen True Detective uh, right at all, right this year. Right. So what he's gonna do is he's gonna play the person who is gonna listen to our conversation and decide if this sounds like something that he wants to see, even though we're about to spoil it. <laughs> so spoiler alert, spoiler alert. I, I'm going to supply the witty witty banter. That's what I'm going to do. Yes. So we, we said this last week, but I'm going to reiterate some of the things that we said. Uh, we're not going to go hard into recapping the whole season, but um, as you know, the trajectory of this, this series that uh, the first season is beloved it was an amazing first season. I mean, there's not enough great things you can say about the first season of True Detective. Season two is not beloved. Uh, a lot of diehard True Detective fans were very disappointed in the second season. I didn't hate the second season as much as a lot of people did, but I do admit it's definitely not up to standard with the first season. Now, season three, in my estimation is just amazing you know uh i because people always ask me do you think it's as good as the first season you know what it's one of those things where they're both great but in totally different ways even though there's a lot of similarity with the the first and third season in in tone in subject matter in kind of the 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 uh the structure uh, it's somewhat similar, but very different. And so it's almost like it's kind of like what, you know, with like parents would say, you know, you, you picking your favorite kid, you know, you know, I, I would say season one and three are equally great and they're great in different ways. Right. So uh, do we have do, do you agree with me on that, um, Jen? Um. <clears throat> well, you're right. I think they're they're different. You like them for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I, I I do think though, after finally getting through the last part of the season, mm -hmm. I I really did like season more more. I mean, season more more. Mm -hmm. Season one more. Mm -hmm. I didn't. And the and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the 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 last couple of episodes of True Detective season mm -hmm. three they were tight, right? I mean, they were mm -hmm. there was some really tense moments happening and mm -hmm. and i and i liked that but i also feel there were a number of times when i started my attention started wandering because maybe they were trying to narratively crush too much inside of each episode mm -hmm. and and as a result it, it it just sort of got overloaded or story bloated in some ways mm -hmm. and that to me it was is sort of like I, I i i mean don't get me wrong everything was technically 
as good as season one, but mm-hmm. narratively something is still just a, a tiny bit off. And I, I think in retrospect, part of it is <clears throat> there, I feel like there are timing issues happening in the latter half of season three that didn't happen in season one. So I still am a season one purist. Everything was great. I loved every single moment of it, but season three is so watchable. It is so worth watching because then when you get to the finale, it's, it's, I, I know people who think that this, that the season itself felt uh, unfair because of the finale. And I know that we'll get to that, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I didn't, that's, I didn't feel that way. Mm. Uh, I liked it. I would say the, the, the thing, uh, just talking about it as overall, that I would say season one was more centered on the two. Well, really uh, the one character more so. And then every character was like more of a, like the, I'm talking about the, um, the Russ Cole uh, character. Right. Was so it had that, you know, it was more singular, even though, you know, you had your other characters, but whereas I think in this show, this season, yes, you had, you know, Hayes, but you also had his partner, his wife, and you had more moving parts, I would say, than the first season, a lot more, or or they had more weight behind it. But I think the thing that the thing that I would say that gives season three a true detective an edge or whatever on the first season, in a way, is the love story is oh, so yeah. amazing uh, in this because not because it's so you know hokey and you know and and it's fulfilling in the end because it's so realistic <laughs> you know like it, like guys Olaf if you saw it you would be like even though you're not a detective you could right. totally relate to that relationship <laughs> like you know in a lot of ways even though I didn't fight in war or a, a police department you know or had the things but just the ups and downs of a relationship through like uh sorry over you know 35 years you know you felt like you were really going on a journey with this couple and one thing that the first season didn't have was uh the female characters were just kind of plot devices Dang, I yeah can't they, hit were, the mic. they were padding right whereas in this one his wife's character amelia is truly her own character. She doesn't just serve the purpose of being his wife or girlfriend or whatnot. Like you really go on a journey with her character and she adds so much dimension to the series and their love story is just really good. It's one of the best love stories. Cause you know, I always criticize TV shows for in movies of making the girlfriend or the wife, you know, the annoying wife or girlfriend, you know, and she had her moments where I was like, girl, you know, (laughs) but, but she was, you know, I just enjoyed her character and I enjoyed their relationship. You know, the thing is the depiction of the relationship, a a whole lot of, uh, of true detective season one Mm -hmm. with their, with any of the female characters, they had no arc, no zero character arc to them. In and definitely in season three, his wife has a huge character arc. Right. And you know what's so interesting, I think, about season three that made it that offset it from other uh, from other 
seasons is is the clever use of time as an actual narrative by itself right because, yeah and I, I i really i liked that i i feel like that was really clever and inventive on the part of um of what's his name uh nick uh, pizzolato nick Right. Thank you. Um, I, I keep wanting to call him Nico. I don't know why. Um, but but that, that are you a Grand Theft Auto four fan? Nico Belli. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm actually sort of embarrassed to say that I know what that means. <laughs> no, um, no, no, no embarrassment there. That's a great game. But it, but it, it but that in and of itself made this season uh, set apart differently mm-hmm. in a good way, in a really good way. Like you like you you wouldn't which is one of the reasons that it's really hard to compare and contrast true detective over the course of its uh over its seasons because each one really is sort of wrapped completely mm-hmm. differently and then unwrapped and told completely differently so it's it is sort of tough to pick kind of like well what's great because there's so many elements of them that is great but this one that definitely worked i think you know it's funny though um the Rustin Cole character played by Matthew McConaughey is just an iconic type character, you yeah. know, and a lot of it is what it's on the page, but the performance by uh, Matthew McConaughey is just remarkable. And it's just like a, 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 you know, a collision of two wonderful, uh, um, you know, the writer and the acting talent coming together to make this great portrait of this character over all those years. And, well, and I think, well, uh, well wait, let me finish with this point. Um, now the Hayes character is an amazing character, but he doesn't have the flair that the, uh, Matthew McConaughey had and the likability in that way. But they're great characters in totally different ways, you know? Well, the the actor had the right gravitas to play that character. It's just that the character was written Mm -hmm. so differently than Matthew McConaughey's character that I think that in some ways the source material really dictated where he could go with it. And I, I feel like he did a really good job of staying very in character. Oh, I mean... His performance was out of this world. It like, was. I mean, like, he was Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of the best performances I've seen in a long time on television. And, there's a, and every year, there's always great performances. So, you know, I mean, it's just, I'm like my mouth on the floor, you know, watching this guy. You know, and he's been great for a long time. And as, you know, he's won two Academy Awards. And it's so funny because, remember... When uh, Matthew McConaughey was on True Detective the first season, he won an Academy Award. <laughs> uh, and now, you know, at the same time, right? And at the same oh, time, right. uh, at the same time, you have uh, um, Mahershala Ali win an Academy Award by, you know, on True Detective. So it's pretty good, right? So, um, you know, his, his performance is, is remarkable um, at all, you know, all the decades. And um, so what I'm saying, though, is, uh, you know, and I don't want to spend too much time in the comparison of season one and three, but I felt like it's something that ne- was necessary to do. Let's talk about it. Well, and mm-hmm. also there, there is this there's this an amazing, I mean, really amazing uh, group that is so dedicated to the series 
and has been all along. And it creates this fan base that comes up with, just like Westworld, just like a bunch of other shows where the fan theories become almost as entertaining as the source material itself. So Mm -hmm. it's such an awesome journey to go on with people as they are watching the series because you get so much interaction. It's one of the best fan groups out there that there is. Twitter is just amazing with True Detective. Yeah, I think one reason is the the show creator, uh, Nick... uh, now I can't say his last name, uh, plus a or whatever it is. The, Nick, some Italian name. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's a big conspiracy, uh, thug, um, a buff. And I knew probably 15 minutes into the first season where he was taking, where he was inspired. Yeah. Because, uh, I knew it was from the, the story of the boys on the track. I don't know if you guys know about this story, but, um, it's a very famous true story, um, that took place in, in, uh, Mena, Arkansas, where these two boys were found on these train tracks and it opened this uh, whole thing about, uh, pedophile rings and, and, uh, Tyson foods, uh, <laughs> and, um, Bill Clinton, as well and a bunch of other things and uh so i knew pretty much hoyt was essentially don don tyson who of tyson foods basically uh i'm not going to go into all of that you just can google the boys on the on boys on the track story uh which was a real life thing that took place in the in the um, early 90s actually mm-hmm. and then also the uh, westminster three um, uh, as well, loosely, um, that's the one with those three boys in the Satan, uh, yeah. that, uh, was loosely had that a little bit of that in it as well as other, other stories too. But I think that's probably the main one that they, that he was inspired by. And I think he even came out and admit, admitted that that was an inspiration as well. So, but definitely a different story. Cause that one had to do with drugs. And if you ever seen the movie, um, made in American made with uh, Tom Cruise, a little bit of that story is in it. Uh, very little. Well, and <clears throat> Nick Pizzolatto did, Pizzolatto, uh, yes. uh, he, he did a whole bunch of interviews, um, mm-hmm. at the, at the end, I think of season two, Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginning of season three at mm-hmm. some point, and and he 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 talked about that. He talked about um, why conspiracy theories. No, not why conspiracy theories, but, but basically why that was such a huge draw. Why mm-hmm. why the more spec the more speculative uh, a story is in in pop culture, what how that sort of permeates into our collective thinking. So that then when we see a story that is based on that. It's not that we need to necessarily like have that story retold. We all understand all of the pews that are in the story mm-hmm. and what it means. Oh, and the Franklin cover-up as well. Uh, if you know that one as well, it, these are all you know. There's so much stuff on YouTube and the internet, so I don't want to go too much into it. But the Franklin cover-up is another one where I, you can, you know, you get some of that in here and also i would say the franklin cover-up uh true detective season one had a little bit of the elements of that in there as well and i think they even said it they even i think the um 
the woman who was the the documentary director right i i think she even said uh, if i remember correctly she mentioned the franklin cover-up uh as you know just drawing a a, um, comparison to it so so anyway um with all that said um i love those stories uh they're very dark true life stories but when you know the minute i notice the you know it it in there that got my attention because you know a lot of people don't know it a lot of people are not aware of them so uh and I, i just found it really cool that 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 he tied some of that into it but um you know uh but anyway with all that said let let's get into this finale um and let's start off with uh Olaf's buddy uh Rucker uh <laughs> who played uh, uh Mr. Hoyt and he was not what I thought he was going to be oh, Rucker yes um he was not what I thought his character was going to be and he was better than I could have thought the way that his character was and that scene you know, that was so built up from, you know, the penultimate episode, you know, of them, you know, him getting in the car and the dialogue between them. And I, cause it could have been really hokey. Right. And that dialogue, first of all, was very well written. The acting was very good. And I really enjoy Rucker's, uh, performance as Mr. Hoyt. And cause I'm thinking, I think we all thought that he was this evil, diabolical mastermind, head of this pedophile ring or whatever. And you find out, yeah, he's an asshole, right? (laughs) He is an asshole, an alcoholic asshole who, yeah, he, you know, he controls different things and, and all of this, but he was in the dark as well. <clears throat> that's right and he i remember thinking well, at first i thought he was lying and then i realized he's trying to get information himself and that dialogue and it made sense why he wasn't killed talking about hayes right and so i'm like well why wouldn't he just kill him and all of this is like he's not really the mafia you know or you know because i'm thinking he's like this godfather type guy and he's just a rich guy with power who uses his power to get what he wants. But he's not that person that I think a lot of us thought. And I actually liked it. And I loved how they talked about them both being, you know, former soldiers and what that meant. And, you know, there was threats made, you know, and back and forth, really. But, you know, and I just loved how that played out. And. Um, and it was, it was surprisingly better than I thought in, but not, in, not even in the way that I assumed that it was going to be. Um, so I've done a lot of talking, so let's go to you, Jen. Uh, what did you think about that scene and, and did it meet your expectations or what? what? Well, <clears throat> I'm trying to think if, if, if I even had an expectation walking into it, I, I don't know <laughs> if that that's one of the things that true detective continually does right it it mm-hmm. it's, i'm gonna try to find the clip maybe we, we could play some audio from it but go ahead it, it, it's such a um it's such a, an emotional 
well, even when it's not an emotional roller coaster, it's such a roller coaster intellectually to keep up with what's going on. Um, but I, but I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of torn because I, I did actually like that the scene that you're talking about a lot. But I, I don't know if, um, if it was as giant for me as I think maybe it was for others. I, I didn't, the, the, you know, okay, so a couple of things that sort of stand out right away. Uh, the, there is, there's this, there are these moments, especially in the finale, where as you start making the correlations about what is really happening, what has happened, what's transpired, and and what that ultimately means to all the characters, it's sort of because the reveal... And this is why I say some people didn't like it because they felt like they'd been tricked. But because the reveal was as was as deep as the reveal was, it it made all the performances around the reveal feel and and as they were getting down to it, it made it all feel so consequential, so important. And and for that every single interaction felt um, I don't know what the word is exactly, but there was like there was depth and weight to it, right? Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. You know what? Let me do this. Let me play some audio from it, and then maybe that'll give some context. And even you know uh, Olaf, who who hasn't seen it, so uh, let me let me play the audio from it, and and then we can talk about it some more. So here we go. Your you, army, correct? Can you hear it? Yep. Rika. Saw combat? Many times. I was 7th Infantry. Korea. Chosen. We took all the casualties so the Marines could turn tail. 30 below zero. Lost about 5,000 men. I wouldn't imagine a man like you meets with a man like me to trade war stories. We're both soldiers. You understand triage. My man, Harris James. I want to know what happened to him. Something happened to him? Spoke a couple days ago up at your offices. Don't start off by lying to me, Mr. Hayes. Last time I saw him, all we did was talk. What'd you talk about? Julie Purcell. That's the girl went missing. Been in the news again recent. What do you say about her? Can't tell details since it's ongoing. But you think Harris has something to do with this girl? Yes, sir, I believe he did. Him and some others. And you got no idea where he might be? Might be he took off. Got him worried. Cameras all around, corporate. Access roads to the plants, everywhere. Video of Harris's car pulling out of the gate. Followed a minute later by your cruiser. You just have to follow up with some questions. 
man's a hell of a talker. I give you chance after chance to speak plain to me, and you keep throwing shit in my face. You know, sir, I've always respected you and your family. What is? We only had the one. And Ellen got sick. Now Charles going to. Something you want to get off your chest, sir? Nobody's gonna hear it but us. Mr. Hoyt, you wanna tell me about Julie Purcell? I don't know about Julie Purcell. I'm in the fucking dark. Well, I guess Harris didn't talk enough after all. You know about the kids, Uncle? Phone calls from the mother, Lucy. Harris going to Vegas. Same time she OD'd. What I know, Harris's work beeper, newest thing. Has a little computer chip keyed to our corporate system. Includes a GPS signal. And I have exact coordinates where Harris last was before it went dead. Now, you being the law, and me, an interested party, should the two of us go out to those woods, see we can find Harris James, and can you tell me, Mr. Hayes, are we gonna need fucking shovels? <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, I man, think, there's so much happening in that scene. Uh, man, I love it, you know, because honestly, it, I think why some people were disappointed in it and there was, don't get me wrong. There is a very disappointing scene in, in this uh, episode. It wasn't all great, but uh, it was very disappointing. And, and I think you probably know what I'm going to get at. I guess we can tackle that one next, but I think, I think sometimes when people have a thought of this is what something is and it's not quite what it is. Um, I think there's some disappointment or some expectations and one thing I love about it was it wasn't what I thought it was going to be and who this character was, but I thought it was that in a good way. Um, and, uh, you know, the way that scene was built up, you know, uh, you, you, you know, cause it's the first time we see his character and I really enjoyed how it, I mean, I liked the fact that I didn't see that one coming, you know, that who he was. And I really love the I, the way that they talk to each other with this. It's it's some respect, but it's also like, hey, you know, it's, you got something they, on me, I got something on you, and you know, there there is antagonism mm -hmm. just below the surface, right? And and you can you can feel it if you when you watch it, what you see between those two is is a is it's almost a dance right and and it feels so it, it feels exactly the way 
that it feels to be talking to somebody when you think you know mm-hmm. what is going on for them and then you think that they're lying to you and and there's this it, and yet at the same time you respect them when you have something sort of important going on with them there is something there was something so beautiful about the way that that was orchestrated right i i, I did really like that that particular piece yeah yes i i did uh i thought it was really good um and you know like i said once again Kudos for those two actors who really acted their ass off in that scene. Um, it, it almost felt like something out of The Godfather. Right. It, it, it had that sense of like, I know what's going on, but everything felt like it was coded language, uh, which when he said, I'm in the dark, or I'm in the dark, I, I, it, I don't know. So there were just things that got said in inside of that, which... They always feel so important. And then in retrospect, when you go back and think about it, you're like, oh, my God, that's what that meant. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is episode eight of season three. And it's called Now Am Found, which um, is a reference to uh, Amazing Grace, the line from Amazing Grace. Um, OK, let's get to the bad. Let's get to the bad. Um the worst thing about the whole series, the season. Oh my God. Okay. Let's first start off by saying a friend of mine named lamb, uh, just discovered the X files. (laughs) I mean, this is, he just discovered it. He's been watching it and he was over and he had, he didn't even know that he saw like basically all the episodes and didn't know there were two movies. So, we actually watched uh, the movie and um, there's a point while you may understand why I'm bringing this up. Um, And, uh, and I I showed him the movie, right? And the reason why I bring up the X-Files is Stephen Williams, who uh, was also on 21 Jump Street as well as uh, he was on uh, Leftovers as well. Um, makes an appearance on the show and Stephen Williams is, uh, was Mr. X on the X-Files and he on this is the one-eyed black guy uh, better known as uh, uh, Mr. Junes or Junis or I forgot how they pronounced it in there and one is I hated his character you know and I hated how, you know, it was one of it was done. The reveal of everything was done like a uh, hey, what's up, C Will? It was done like a all right, it's story time, everybody. <laughs> this is what happened, and he sits there and basically tells everybody all you know what happened, and that's how we find out the reveal and also, you know, and then the whole somebody punish me, the, all that crap and all of that stuff. It was annoying that, that was, it was so disappointing the show being that good. And that's how we get the reveal. And, you know, I wasn't, what actually happened, I was fine with, you know, 
Um, and it wasn't what a lot of us thought ha- had happened. Uh, I wasn't surprised that it was an accident, you know, but that was disappointing about uh, that. That whole scene was it just was corny and hacky for something that was so good, you know. Um, so I, I said enough for right now. Uh, what do you think about that scene? <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I'm sort of with you on it. I, I, although I don't know if it bothered me as much as maybe it bothered some people. And it didn't seem, it didn't, I don't know. It, 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 it felt a little, it felt a little off kilter in comparison to everything else, but it didn't, it didn't bother me at all. Um, the, no, of, of everything that bothered me in this particular episode, I don't feel like that was the one that threw everything off. Oh, that I, scene I, was I, so I corny don't... and hacky. It, it it was, but 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 I I but I do think but I do think that that the I don't think that was actually I don't know how to I'm not sure how to say this because because I don't want to say that 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 it could have been done better. I I. I sort of feel like that was like put in there as sort of a stopgap. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like maybe like maybe it was written on the fly or something. I don't know. It you're right. It didn't really fit with everything, but it I don't know. It didn't bother me either. It was just it, yeah, it was corny. You're right. That's but that's about all it was. It was just corny. Yes. And you are too kind. That was that was you know, and, and the thing that sucked about it was that, you know, for a season that was so good, that was dis, you know, was was unfortunate. Right, because in comparison to all the all the rest of the performances and all the rest of the scenes mm-hmm. at large, it it it's kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. You're right. Yeah. And. And you know a bad a bad um, finale could derail a, an amazing season. And that one scene was, even though it was crappy and hacky and all of that, it it didn't destroy the the um, how great the season was. You know, and you know, and to be fair, a lot of people didn't care for the season one finale as well. Um, well, well, okay, okay. So wait, so so let let's talk about that. Just a tiny bit, okay. Uh, the 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 idea that the season finales aren't that they somehow don't live up to our expectations, I think, has a lot to do with the fact that we uh, we work up our expectations of what we expect to be resolution, and when that resolution doesn't go the way that we think that it should go. I, I feel like that's why a lot of people, especially people that do professional reviews, said that the, what that they felt like the um, like the season had tricked them it, with a cheap trick with, that that for him to be a detective and not know what was going on in his own backyard basically was so disingenuous to the character because how can he be such a great detective and not know this stuff? But I disagree in the sense. But it's called true detective, not great detective. Yeah, well, and and I, I mean, and also I actually disagree with that premise altogether. But 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 I understand why people get 
so wrapped up in this idea that the expectation of what is to come is going to be something monumental. And when it isn't the the monumental and it veers back toward the mundane, well, I shouldn't say there's nothing about that that was mundane, but when it veers back toward the closely personal, I, I feel like people get upset not because they don't like the resolution itself, but because the resolution itself is something that they could not have known, right? There were no clues for us to follow to get to that point. And I do think that that is one lesson that he could learn as a writer. I, I mean, I'm not giving him, sorry, Dick, I'm not giving you pro tips as a writer. I'm just saying that from a fan perspective, nobody likes it when you blindside them. And it did sort of feel like we got blindsided by the ending. If you, if no, it was, not that if it, it was still good, it was. I, still I think good. if you if you watch the show, the go back. If you go back and look at it, all signs do go to that conclusion. Um, if you know it in retrospect, right? And no, I'm saying if you go back, knowing what you know and rewatch it, it does it it does it will add up to what it but, turned but out there, to be. But there is no, but honestly, there is no way to figure that out. In other words, like he didn't drop clues that were big enough for anybody to form even a theory around. And I mean, I've, I've read a bunch of them, so I, I feel like I can at least say that of all the theories that were out there, that wasn't one of them. Well, but see, though, my thing is, I don't, sometimes something sucks. And it isn't just about your expectations. It's just, it didn't, it wasn't good enough. I'll give you a great example is, and I hate to keep talking about things that are not true detective, but um, Heroes season one, that finale was garbage. It was an amazing first season that ended with trash. <laughs> you know, it was it was garbage. It was a garbage right. ending to an amazing season. And that, and to be honest with you, it was so bad, it it undid all the goodness they did in 23 episodes, 24 episodes or whatever it was. So, uh, and, and a bad ending can do that. Now, in this case, I didn't think the true, true detective season one ending was, was bad. I think it goes more in line to what you said that I think people had their expectations of what was going to happen and it didn't happen the way they thought it would, or they should it, it actually ended more realistically. You know, yes, you know, yes, yes. And, 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 and there's a part of me that feels like it is that mundane. And I guess that's why I use the word mundane. Uh -huh. It is that sense of the mundane that made people feel this isn't a worthy ending. Right. They're used to being fed an ending that, you know, you, you know, that you would expect in the Hollywood thing. And it was more like what would probably really happen. And I was so happy because honestly, me personally, and I don't represent the masses, love that ending better than if it ended like in a Hollywood ending. You know what I'm saying? But I knew uh, yeah. though when I saw it that I already knew what the reaction was going to be because people want the ending that made them feel, they wanted a satisfying ending. One of the reasons why Law and Order was so amazing when it first started was it didn't always end wrapped up with a bow right at times some i mean a lot of times it did but it was one of the few shows that there were ambiguous endings or it wasn't totally you know what i'm saying and that was so great about it and a show called homicide life on the street uh probably did it the best 
you know, uh, in the cop genre of that. And so in this season, um, the ending, I didn't like that reveal of, you know, how I just didn't like the way it was presented. But if you take that out with that aside, it was an amazing finale. Um, other than that, that moment, I mean, let's go on to some other things that are, that made it great. And I'm going to save, I'm going to go back to the relationship for the very last part of it. But what was awesome was I love the scene with, um, with, uh, uh, the partner, uh, uh, Roland when, you know, he get, he picks the fight in the bar, you know, and then he gets his, you know, he ultimately gets his ass kicked. And I just love how he's sitting there crying and then the dog comes. And I knew it was coming, but it was a great moment. And it was great for his arc and it tied everything together for Roland. And I just thought that was a brilliant moment in the finale with his character. And it really, you know, um, I think the thing that makes this one uh, that you can tilt in this season's favor versus the first one, because we're just going to X out the second one is that I felt like his character was way better than the Woody Harrelson character as far as what he got to do and the way there was an arc. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like his character was way, it was a better, uh, a better partner uh, character for um, the main character, Hayes. Right. You know? yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I do. Yeah. Also, also, just if I can speak by way of uh-huh. how what that partnership felt like, mm-hmm. um, the, I I think that that's what carried a lot of the simpler moments of the season is that relationship, right? Because it, and that relationship never felt forced; it always felt really like on point. Also, did you notice that this that this season? I, I mean, this is just a random thought, but did you notice that this season that a whole lot of um, how the characters interact had to do with alcohol? Yes. I mean, uh, like that was a thing, right? I didn't just imagine that. No, no, it was a huge thing. I I didn't I didn't pick that up during the you know this season like that a lot of drinking or whatever. I didn't pick that up. <laughs> alcohol smoking um you know obviously the The time elements alcohol alcohol usage was i i I just didn't see it they 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 talk so much about drinks and drinking and and even when they're not talking about it you visually see it as an important aspect of the scene so that it so that it's not just a prop it's not like it's not like a shot glass is just a prop it feels like it is an organic part of the story it i i i, I for i really thought that maybe i was overemphasizing it but i i now i'm kind of wondering if i did i i feel like it was just huge i, I would think that no that they would be that they would be talking about like you know the, the vitamin water and things like that you know talk about the different drinks and stuff you know, I, that's what I would put it in but I didn't want you know, <laughs> coconut you know coconut coconut uh, coconut milk and things like that you know. well uh, the reason that I bring it up is because I'm wondering if that had anything to do with like uh, giving us sort of the the clue in about 
how broken people are that they that 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 they that alcohol is not that, that like alcohol is a cohesive element to who they are not just a, a crutch or a prop to use every now and again do you, you know what i'm saying right no right. no and with enough alcohol it breaks a lot of people so you know well right but but i you know one of the one of my most sort of hated and loved tropes in in storytelling is <clears throat> when people turn to alcohol it both frees the truth and brings out the worst in people and so you have this there there's always there were always these moments in true detective season 3 where alcohol played a part of sort of doing both either bringing out the worst or bringing out the truth and it was so interesting and i, the, I haven't seen that in a while and i really liked it oh and, and another aspect i, I really want to um focus on is the production like i mean the cinematography and the editing as well as the score was just flat out amazing I mean, uh, the, the the first of all, the transitions were brilliant. Yeah, the transitions were good. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I noticed transitions and all that kind of stuff. But in this one, and they're done purposefully too. It, they're not just to be cute, you know what I mean? And um, so that was pretty awesome about the show. Uh, and in the last three episodes, was at the, to go back to the X Files, uh, the director Daniel Sackheim uh, directed the second episode of the X Files, and uh, uh, the fluke man episode as well. Uh, if you, if you've watched that show, um, but, um, and I, and walking dead too, he was, uh, he directed on that as well, but, um, he, but the directors and the cinematography was just outstanding. It was a uh, second to none. Uh, well, I, on that co show. I coached them on the transition. I got them. I got them through the transitions. <laughs> Hilarious. I, I I, I feel like that was also uh, one of the functions of alcohol. Alcohol was also one of those great transitions. Um, you know what else was also really excellent about this season? I, I, and I know it's such an it's such an unglorified piece of uh, trivial information, but the sound editing oh, was so on point yeah. that, it, that there were moments when I, I felt like I couldn't look away because this sounds crazy, but I couldn't look away because I wanted to make sure that what I was hearing was correct. Yes. The, and yeah, th that was I, so good. I didn't help with that because they, they were actually on point with the sound, so I didn't have to help with that. <laughs> we are close to something. Hilarious. Yeah, so. I, I, th th that piece. I mean, obviously, you know, everything else was also really good. Like you said, the cinematography, the lighting, the the even just the the, the small pieces, like how they crafted uh, parts of the set in order to sort of make it easier for the characters to move in in directions that then also sort of fit the story narrative. That was really neat. But it was the sound, and it was, and you're right, the transitions with that editing function that made the that made especially the last couple of episodes be maybe more compelling than they would have been if those pieces were missing like from a cinematic standpoint they were so important to the actual story yes. well 
thank you. I mean, I I worked hard to get all that stuff to do and help them out and get all that stuff to work out good. So I'm glad to see that. We're so glad you were there, Olaf. Yeah, it was, we're it really was appreciated. Glad. That's like that. That makes me feel good that it was appreciated. <laughs> um, and we'll get to the, the 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 big. You know, there's obviously there was a twist in there. You know about Julie Purcell, and um, you know I. I mean, when they said that Julie Purcell was dead, I n- never thought it was true. And it turned out, of course, it's not true that um, she wasn't dead. And we'll get to that in a minute. But um, but I want to end on the the relationship because I just think that's the best thing about the show um, this season. Um, but... Um, Another thing I wanted to uh, to bring up was and um I also enjoyed about this this episode was that uh they tied up a lot of loose ends. They didn't I didn't I mean there's some still some things that you would you want to see I mean, you might want want to know that they, they didn't. So they left some things, you know, a mystery still. And from what I heard, uh, what I heard uh, was that they actually shot more stuff that would answer some of those questions. And they decided not to include it in the because I think it was going to be an hour and a half. And it turned out to be an hour and 19 minutes. Right. So one of the things that they did shoot that um, that they didn't put in there was the death of Amelia that uh, they had actually shot that and they decided not to put it in there, which I think it didn't need it. Me personally, I didn't think it needed. I mean, I heard people were disappointed that they didn't show it. I'm like, why? I mean, we know she's died. You know, we don't, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, I don't, I don't think it was like, important. Yeah. I don't feel like they needed to show that either. Uh, although in some ways I'm actually glad that they did shoot it because at least for the actors involved mm-hmm. that it, th- there was, there was something to sort of tangibly connect everything. So, I mean, maybe in that sense, it was sort of helpful, but I, yeah, I don't think we, the mm-hmm. viewers needed to see it. No, not at all. And also, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, the, you know, I didn't, I really, you know, and as a lot of people, and I was right in this camp, we thought that there was going to be something different with the daughter, you know, uh, Hayes's daughter. And right, like right. there was going to be some explosive thing with it. And it really wasn't. And, you know, to and I thought to bring that up and if there was going to be some kind of explosive reason why, you know, uh, with the daughter to do it in the finale probably wasn't the best thing. And I'm glad they didn't. You know, that wasn't it. They just in, just let you know that the daughter was there and, you know, th- they hadn't fallen out or there was no. I mean, you know, there was no big issue or something with the daughter. Because I remember a lot of people were speculating like, oh, something happened with the daughter or did the daughter get kidnapped or or they don't talk. And it really wasn't that at all. And so I was glad that. But um, so that was that that was cool. Now, <laughs> the uh, you know, the reveal about the. um which was there, uh, you know, about the, the little boy who was so brokenhearted that because uh, he thought he was going to marry 
her when he grew up. He was actually a, a psychic. <laughs> because uh, that's right, right? Because he, you know, I thought that was pretty cool, and I like, you know, I like how he had the vision of his wife telling him. You know, I know some people didn't like that, but I really did like that. When yeah, she, I did too. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Like some people are on crack, man. Uh, you know, like uh, let me see if I can find that that scene. Uh, I like that. Uh, oh, uh, Steph is here. Um, but I, I like the vision that he had of his wife telling him about the uh, the daughter. Uh, I'm sorry about Julie uh, Purcell and leading him ultimately to find out that she was still alive. Uh, okay, I can't find the scene, but um, I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought that when he showed, okay, so there's been a bone of contention about when he shows up at Julie's house and then he forgets why he's there. I think there's some people think that he was acting. I don't believe that. I believe he generally didn't know why he was there. Yeah. And I think I'm pretty sure that Nick actually confirmed that. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure I didn't, I didn't did. get that I, at all. I think all. I read that. Yeah, he didn't. That was so tragic about it was he gets there and this thing that he'd been searching for, you know, and he's finally going to get his answer. And then his mind just, you know, he doesn't even know why he's there. And then the scene where he, you know, gets the water and all of that stuff. And you're thinking, is it is it going to come back to him that he, you know, why, why he needed to be there or whatnot? And it doesn't. I thought that was fitting for the way that this season was constructed that, um, you know, I thought that was brilliant. Uh, yeah, I did too. Yeah, I, and I people who I heard that people were complaining, they didn't like that. I thought that was actually went in line with the theme of this the show. Like that's why I wonder like they, do they watch the show? Like that seems that to me seemed more fitting that that would happen. You well, know. Well, you know, <clears throat> the the thing is and and I think this speaks to a lot of uh a lot of the, the the way that the way that people get so super entitled about their own fandoms it it maybe what was happening there is something like people felt that they were sort of uh, in, entitled to a different outcome no not not even a different outcome um a different set of circumstances mm-hmm. that ultimately just i mean there's no way you're just not going to get it the season is what the season is it's funny, Steph in our chat room really summed it up about how how authentic that relationship was because she, uh, she wrote, uh, whoever put the line in the script calling uh, the wife a high yellow bitch is authentically country and black. And yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is so, that is so true. When I, when I heard him say that, I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely, uh, <laughs> that's definitely an argument, uh that I've had before. So, <laughs> so, but, oh uh, God, that's hilarious. But I, I love, you know, like I said, once again, I, that, um, you know, going back to the relationship once again, I love the way that it ended, you know, cause you know, they had, they showed the big fight and then they showed the scene where, you know, where they basically made up and decided that they were going to move forward. And I thought, I thought that was what a great ending to, to it. And that last image of him walking into the, um, you know, uh, he's doing his tracking in um, Vietnam 
and he right. he goes into the the brush and disappears. <clears throat> oh what, yeah, that's what a perfect that, ending. That that that's exactly how the first episode ended. Mm-hmm. The first episode bookends. Well, not exactly the same. Right. But walking into the trees, right? Right. It's bookend. Yeah. It was yeah. brilliant. I mean, it was really good. Very good. And when he looks back and all of that, oh, that's great. Great you stuff. Know, j- j- I mean, not not to put too fine a point on it, but <clears throat> there there is a um, the, when you're doing and, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not saying that I'm any professional at doing series or anything, but I I have enough understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, to know that that there is a continuity um, aspect to well-produced shows that over the course of a series it is really difficult to maintain that level of continuity when you are shooting things out of order when you are um when you are adding things to the script sort of uh, on in an improv basis when things don't maybe line up specifically with the way that they were put into the script and so for when the when the finished product has such a tight control over the visual narrative it it really is something to celebrate i mean like i can't stress this enough there's not enough series on tv that are able to do that effectively and so when you see it it's really something to celebrate yes yeah definitely in in this show they did a very good job with that and you know like i said kudos kudos to them for doing this i'm looking forward to Whatever comes next, uh, I'm assume he's probably going to take another couple of years. I think he's even said that. Uh, I think he said he's going to do a movie next, possibly, or maybe even another show. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, I think he's on tap to do to bring something back. Uh, let me look. Uh, okay, I could, I think he, I could have remembered he just signed up to do something. Uh, so it might be in. I wouldn't be surprised if there's maybe probably only one or two more seasons. I doubt it. He doesn't seem like he's going to um, do like a whole Yeah, bunch. I, I think he likes, he. I think he likes doing the series, but I think you're right. I think he's actually ready to move on to doing something else. That, mm. uh, that's what it made me, I all the interviews that I heard and read with him make it sound like that's sort of the direction which doesn't mean that there might not be you know one or two more series involved but oh he's working on deadwood deadwood he's a, a writer on deadwood the new Deadwood. really really he's oh wow yeah nice. okay <clears throat> wow oh i didn't even realize he worked on the killing huh oh okay i didn't even know that i had no idea he worked on the killing as well yeah, the guy's super talented. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what comes next. Um, any any last things you want to um, get to? Um, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, okay, I, there is one thing. One of the things that, that stood out to me uh, all, all the way through this is, uh, once again, I'm just going to go back to what I had said before about the clever use of time. Uh, the the reason it, it wouldn't I don't think it will make sense to people if you haven't actually seen the series, but a really good reason to watch this particular uh, this particular season of this series is to is to see how they used time mm. as sort of its own prop. 
um, it, when it's well done, it's really well done. And this, I think, it's really an outstanding example of how to use time as sort of its own narrative element. I don't feel like a lot, even even shows that deal with time as sort of the construct, you know, where they like do time jumps or where they have used time to do certain things, it, unless you're talking about 12 monkeys. Mm -hmm. it, the, the, the idea of using time in the way that these guys did, it really does sort of add a flair for the very end. Because because it does make sense. I mean, if you really think about what happens in the end and and that and what the twist really is, the time matters. Right. You know what I mean? I mm -hmm. mean, like all the things that we see before, they're not just random happenstance. They really do matter. No, yeah, much so. Yeah. And um, once again, uh, Steph says she took the scenes where he's entering the forest in a different way because she has a relative who did recon and came back with serious mental illness. Even though physically he is living and operating in there, now his mind has, uh, and now his mind, uh, wait one second, I, the mic is in the way. Uh, physically he is living and operating in there, and now his mind and the way that he responds, he thinks he's still in the jungle. <laughs> so, yeah. For, yeah. The, a lot of that was, a lot of this season was was about, you know, the, the mental toll that it took on, you know, not only just being a detective, but, you know, going and fighting in the war. Because remember, not just him, but Woodard as well right. as Hoyt. You know their their time serving in the military was was huge. You know into sh shaping in who who they were now. now right, that they're no longer in country. So yeah, like Woodard. You know, going back to that. You know, he was a really good character, even though he he wasn't in it a ton. But I, I liked I liked that. So all right. So um, no, uh, great season three. Looking forward to if they do a season four. I, I mean, he could do like um, Kirby Enthusiasm where every, you know, couple of years or so when he f has an idea, just, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I would hope that's what he would do is, you know, if if it's five years, you know, and I think HBO, you know, they would probably give him that that um, leash to do that. That would that I feel like that would be the best of all worlds for him. Mm -hmm. But, but now I'm super excited about Deadwood too. Yeah, Deadwood. Yeah, and oh, maybe that right. David Milch wrote season, uh, co-wrote episode four mm. of um, this season. So okay, that's the little yeah, okay. All right, nice little tie in there. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, with that said, let's start off with uh, Olaf. Uh, Olaf, Are you there, Olaf? Yep. I'll be here. All right. How can we get you on social media? Well, you can uh, you can stop me on both Facebook and Twitter at Olaf Barbosa, but just uh, uh, don't stop too close because I do get nervous and I do have an itchy trigger finger. All right. And Jen, how can we get you on social media? Uh, you can find me at following Bliss One, and I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on bunch of stuff uh and my pride and joy is moviesmakethemeal.com all right you get me at kente f on twitter kente ferguson uh at 
Instagram, <laughs> and, and our website, IndieRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y Radio.org. Uh, next week, we'll be back at Tuesday, a regular scheduled night um, at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, uh, we'll have a special episode of The Spotlight where I'll be interviewing the rapper Big V from the group Nappy Roots. But with all that said, you guys have a great rest of your week. And goodbye. Five Hour Tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors. With zero sugar and four calories, it fits your life. With its compact size and portability, it goes where you go. To the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach, without weighing you down. Five Hour Tea. Caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural sight. From the makers of 5-Hour Energy. For more information, visit 5-HourEnergy.com. For a limited time at Sprint, get $50 for each new phone you lease when you switch. That's right. You'll get $50 for each new phone on a prepaid MasterCard issued by MetaBank member FDIC. Just register for the card online and you're good to go. Get a network built for unlimited and a great price at Sprint. It's the best of both worlds. And get $50 on a prepaid MasterCard for each phone you lease. Visit a Sprint store this weekend only for sizzling Sprint Saturday deals. Card terms, conditions, and expiration apply.